Hey, welcome back to the Bring It Back podcast. My name is Nathan. And I'm Micah. And we wanna just have really authentic, unique conversations and try to tackle different topics that maybe you don't hear kind of navigated through the lens that we'll look at things through. We're gonna use the Bible as the lens and the foundation that builds our worldview and gives us kind of the answers to some of these questions that we're talking about. So thanks for joining and let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Bringing It Back pod. Glad to be here with you today. We are uh, back in studio, also known as Nate's bedroom. Nate's bedroom with a couple recent upgrades. I think I'll point out to you. Yeah, please. I do. took down uh, the two ORU posters that yeah. I made back in 2021. Neither of them play for ORU anymore. Neither do Max Asmus is still performing really well. Killing it, like Texas. Uh, what was it? I think sixth all-time leading scorer in the NCAA, and yeah. He's, One other like crazy stat line, but I, I think he's just doing well, which I like to see. Yeah, I love to see the OR you guys do well. Kevin's playing in the G League for the Raptors. I saw that. I didn't know where he went. I told my brother he went to Euroball, and then we looked it up, and I was like, G League? Better than Euroball. Better than, well, you don't maybe, maybe get paid as much. You don't. Yeah. Closer to the league. Closer to the league. Better talent in the G League, but... So those, uh, those basketball players that were once near and dear to our hearts still... Deer-ish, uh, but those posters are old. So I took them down and put up pictures of me mm-hmm. and primarily my girlfriend. All right, dude, we get it. Uh, <laughs> All right, dude. Isn't it awesome? All right, <laughs> dude, we get it. Nate's got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of nice. You know, you just wake up and you see these pictures. That's- yeah, man, that's a great thought. would love to wake up to the pictures of my girlfriend on the wall. Yeah, you kind of just got to, I don't know, find a girl who loves the Lord and commit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, man. I was just talking, to, so we were talking about commitment, and part of the reason I was thinking about this is because I just got together with my buddy, Augustine Mendoza, last week, and we just like to talk and chat about just like what kind of the next generation of young adults feels like, and I've felt since I graduated, it feels more and more like college students have an issue with commitment, and I mentioned that, and he was like, that is literally every problem that we're fighting right now is getting kids to commit to like leadership in the missions office or just to like attend events or whatever it is. It feels like there's this idea that I can't commit to anything in case something better comes up. Yeah. I, I don't, my, my finger on the pulse of college students, uh, isn't there. I don't hang out with college students yeah. really anymore. So I don't know if I can, yeah. You hang out with your girlfriend? Kinda. <laughs> no, like I, I you think I just used to do so much youth ministry stuff, Shepherd's Fold, right. all that kind of stuff. So I was around college kids a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not anymore. And yet I still see maybe in my our generation, people around our age, the thing that's been talked about for forever, which is FOMO, you know, the fear of missing yep. out. And that's a huge uh combatant to the idea of commitment. Yeah. Um and so yeah, that idea of like, okay, if I say yes to this. I have effectively said no to everything else. And that yeah. could be really scary. That's scary. Um, I think it can actually be really liberating. I think for me personally, whenever I choose to do something, it kind of eliminates choice. And, you know, the like freezing of me trying to make a decision. Like when I've chose, chosen something, like either I've committed to hang out with you at yeah. 5.15 on Wednesday night, uh, therefore... I can't do anything else for that hour slot of time. Right. Um, and while that may seem like, oh, well, what if something really amazing comes up? Could be a thought in your mind. For me, it's like, 
No, it just gives me stability. Like I know that Mike and I will have this protected time. We can sit down, do the thing that we enjoy doing and we think is valuable. And then I can make plans around that thing. So I love this idea of commitment and I'm excited we're going to talk about it. Yes. And commitment, you mentioned earlier about your girlfriend and commitment was something that honestly I struggled with for a long time when it came to dating because of like maybe past things. Uh, relationally that I'll tread lightly on because so many of my friends that are very involved with that (laughs) listen but I know for myself I have struggled in the past with the idea of like trying to make a decision dating wise with a girl very early on because I'm like it's the oh man what if something better comes along and that's almost like I don't know if it's a fear of commitment I think I've heard somebody else say this but like almost a fear of too many options where it's like we feel like we have more options now. I think dating wise, it feels like there's a wider scope where like your grandpa dated and married one of the 12 females within like a 16 to 30 age range that were in his town. That's fair. That's a, that's a pretty good, he had that many options. That's he had a lot of options and maybe 16 is a bit too young, but it's kind of how they did it back, back then. then, dude. Back then it was a different time. Back then it was a different time, but they had less options. So I would, I would take a gander and say that they are probably not as worried about all the options that they might have marriage-wise. So it feels like even specifically, we could talk about commitment in different contexts, but like dating-wise and marriage-wise, like there's almost this epidemic of having way too many options with like online dating where you see one girl and you like her and then suddenly there's another one on your screen that's a better option. And then it's like, well, man, what if there's better? I just have to keep swiping through. So it almost feels like how accessible things are with the internet, or whatever it is, um, just how connected everybody is on social media makes it harder to make a decision dating-wise. Yeah, I think there are, whenever you first sent that text to me, you're like, what do you think about commitment? We had a couple jokes that went back and forth, which (laughs) was refreshing. It's like, ah, and I don't know, what if we think of something better? You know, whatever. Um, There were three things that popped in my mind pretty quickly. One of them was obviously relationship, Mm -hmm. um, so dating, and then potentially marriage, you know, down the line. Uh, another one was just like events and stuff that's going on in life, sure. like just with friends and just kind of, I thought of being a man of my word. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I want to be committed to that thing. Yeah. And then the last one was just job. And I thought about mm-hmm. our demographic and like, again, a generational gap for us, we remain committed. And I say, I'll be at this job for a year. And like, sure. that's a, that's a that's big a problem for you. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the previous generation, it's like, I was with this company for 40 years. Yeah. Um, and maybe how even in, yeah, just today's economy and the environment, people don't stay as committed, maybe aren't as loyal to groups, organizations, businesses, because we've got better options. The only way to make a pay jump would be if I was to change companies that I was with, because my other people don't recognize the value that I bring. So those were, for me, the first three things that popped from my mind. Were there any other kind of general? No, those are the biggest ones that come to mind with me as well. Uh, let's maybe even just like tackle them one at a time, if that makes sense. And obviously, biblically, I do think there's something to this idea of of commitment. So the one that people mention a lot is, is in like Matthew 5, verse 37, where it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And actually, contextually, if you look at that, what Jesus is encouraging his people to do, is not have to pronounce like an oath and be like, I swear that I will do this. 
he's affirming to them like, hey, live your life in a way that people won't even question your word. So you don't need to put the caveat of like, oh, I'm putting my oath on this. They'll just know that when you say something that your word is good for that. So Jesus is almost simplifying just, hey, people shouldn't have to question your commitment. They should just know when you say you're going to do something that you should do it. Nice. You're not going to do something. You're not going to do it without the need to like extra or like promise, deliver, swear, whatever it is like, oh, I'll do this thing. Just do it. No, dude, I, I still think it's really necessary to take off a sandal and for me to give it to you and then that be the time when you know I mean it. So, yeah, I like I like that where we're, we're being kind of, I, I think there is like a shifting in the Bible where there were strong moments like covenants that were drafted and it was really important yeah. for some kind of exchange to happen. But um, I think if we required that in all of our daily relationships, there just wouldn't be maybe a, a, a baseline level of trust. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's really important for us to um, be consistent. And uh, the fold was maybe one of the first places where I saw that practice really well. Uh, we, at Shepherd's Fold, you're a counselor. There's a person who's teaching you uh, stuff in Scripture and you're learning things. And then you have these one-on-one times um, with leadership. So you as a youngling little staff uh, you get to meet with somebody who you kind of look up to and they can talk through things with you. Sure. And that like sign up sheet was so uh, helpful for me in understanding like commitments. When you say you're going to be somewhere at a specific time, um, what happens if you don't? That other person kind of gets screwed because they've carved out that time for you. Right. So um, that was just like a really helpful practical implementation of um, like a, a written commitment mm-hmm. that was really important to me and I'd like to put in my own life too, um, just with using Google Calendar. I guess yeah. it's really helpful. That's even a helpful thought that I hadn't even connected with this specifically is like, what is your commitment? How does it affect somebody else on the other side of your commitment? Yeah. It's like your flakiness. Like, have you been on the other side of flakiness before? That's like my least favorite thing in the world. And it just puts another person in such a bad spot. And I, I feel like you know, we talk a lot biblically about like the idea of honoring somebody. Like if I'm going to honor somebody else's time, like if Nate has spent all this time setting up our podcast equipment, researching, making sure that he's good for this topic, and I text him five minutes before, I'm just like, hey, sorry, brother, not going to make it. And Nate's going to feel bad because I haven't honored his time and the effort that he's put into this. So I even think when we think about our commitments, we have to consider the time spent from the person we're planning with, even like how it's going to affect them. Because if someone's got a fear of or like a, some hurts rejection wise and you flake on them, what's that going to do? It's going to feed right into that. And I think if we're to love each other like Christ loves the church, uh, Christ is committed to us. Like that is something that we see throughout the whole of Scripture is Christ's commitment and his nearness to us. And if we're supposed to embody Christ's commitment, if we're not going to uh, be present and consistent with the people in our lives, what kind of example does that show from like the overflow of our relationship with God? Yeah, they'll know know me by how you love one another. Yeah. If I, yeah, am not... Uh, honoring of somebody else's time, I'm not going to be a great avenue for people to learn about Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking like in the work environment and personal. Yeah, it's really important. I know I can think of a couple of examples of when people have done that to me. It's not like I'm sitting here harboring bitterness, but I can also think of one specific time where I've done <laughs> that to somebody yeah, else. Sure, sure. Uh, my brother and I, like he's been a mentor in my life, still is. Daniel's uh, just very great. During a busy time of his life, he would carve out time to do breakfast with me, maybe once a month. It wasn't super consistent, but it was still valuable. 
there was one morning I just slept in and then, you know, he's texted me a bunch of times and then there's just a picture of the breakfast place where there's a table that's like set mm-hmm. and Daniel's just taking a picture across where I should be sitting and he just texted that to me and it's that's, still like that's rough. something that we'll, we'll, we'll kind of joke about back and forth. But that, uh, I know that it like hurt him, annoyed him and then it's him communicating that back to me has been one of the reasons it's really important for me to show up to things that I say I'm going to show up to. Right. Um, just because of that one like negative experience, I, I have it like locked and loaded in my mind. It will negatively impact somebody else. And exactly what you're talking about, like mm-hmm. that rejection, people not coming to your birthday party, childhood wounds. Man. Yeah. Like that That stuff is really important. So we need to make uh, our best effort to, to remain committed to people, to yeah. our friends. Yeah, that's real. So when I think about, I guess, maybe the problems with commitment dating-wise, it feels like, in my mind at least, if we date in a way that exposes our fear of commitment, we're searching for this, like, perfect person who's going to, like, I don't know, like, we're finally going to find them, and then we're going to get married. But if we've been dating in a way that exposes our lack of commitment just by going on a ton of different dates and never actually giving time to get to know somebody, like, what do you think is going to happen a few years into marriage? is that you conditioned yourself for variety. You've conditioned yourself to constantly be looking for something wrong with the current circumstance you're in and look for something better somewhere else. So when you build those habits that way, when you approach dating that way, it feels like that's how it's going to end up. You're, you're setting yourself up maybe for a little bit of struggle and failure marriage-wise if you're conditioning yourself to not want to commit. Yeah, the, those two things, addiction to variety, um, that, that, I think that's the first one that you're kind of mentioning there. I, I've I first heard that expressed when talking about like pornography, mm-hmm. um, that there's just whatever you want is on the internet and yeah. you just go and indulge. It's a very selfish action, uh, maybe something that didn't quite exist in the past, but um, but yeah, like that addiction to variety, um, incongruence, like it works alongside of that practicing for divorce. Yeah. Um, so what do, what do you do whenever things get really tough, whenever you're kind of dating around you're kind of feeling things out it's like oh it doesn't quite work for me hey sorry it's not you it's me and you move on to the next one ah man that that, like that doesn't feel like a healthy way to deal with conflict now if you're just going on one or two dates trying to figure out if you know the core things are there do they have a relationship with the lord um you know do do we have similar goals in life things that we want to build together right and you quickly identify that no they don't okay great continue yeah that's that's not the thing that we're talking about. I think we're more talking about you've gone on some dates with somebody, those core things are established, and you ran into some conflict and confrontation. Right. And then as soon as it gets hard, you get going. So uh, that's more the, the the part of dating, I think, that we want to identify that we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And that's challenging because, yeah, and I like I said, I've struggled with that, and I still struggle with that in some senses as I'm going on dates and whatnot. So obviously I, th- I feel like dating is a big one. Here's, I think my caveat, my biggest bone to pick with this idea of commitment, regardless of the circumstance, whether it be dating, jobs, plans, do not blame your pulling out of a commitment on God. And I've heard that so many times where like somebody's been committed to a leadership position, like this happened a lot in ORU missions, be like they, they've committed to a leadership position to lead a group of students to a, a different country. And a month before the trip, they'll come to the the missions coordinators or the directors and say, "Hey, I feel like I feel like God's leading me somewhere somewhere else. I feel like God's calling me to do something else, another ministry." And here's here's my problem with that: is if 
we're obeying scriptures the way that we're supposed to. And I think we've unpacked a little bit of those ideas of honoring your commitments. My questions are, one, did you approach this with the right intentionality beforehand, before you accepted? Because if you did, and the Lord said, hey, I want you to do this, I don't think God is ever calling you to pull out of a commitment if you prayed about it properly. And my bigger problem is when someone will say, oh, I think the Lord's calling me somewhere else, but it's just a better opportunity. Or it's like they found somebody else to date who they may be like more. Call it what it is. And I feel like sometimes we'll use God as an excuse to pull out of a commitment when really we just need to be so honest and say, hey, this is a better opportunity. I'm getting paid more over here. I don't have as good of chemistry with you as I do with somebody else. So I think my biggest problem with commitment is when we use God as our caveat to get out of commitment, like a get out of jail free card that no one can question. And I think people realize that it's a hard one to question because not a lot of people want to push on that at all, understandably. So if you're going to claim God is the reason for pulling out of a commitment, I just feel like your reasoning should be, it should be very, very clear. And it should be done in a way that honors the people that you were committed to. Yeah, it's such a cop out. I mean, really like any, uh, I can only think of one specific example and it didn't even directly negatively impact me, but the person who was kind of running the show Mm -hmm. uh, was talking with me about how he had multiple people communicate. um, God has, you know, given me this new opportunity. And it was kind of like a a domino effect of people leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really frustrated me because it did seem like, guys, (laughs) this is such a cop-out answer because- Um, what, what is the other individual supposed to say? No, God's not telling you that. Yeah. Um, you're putting them in a hard spot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, figuring out primarily where was your heart initially? What does your process look like for hearing the voice of the Lord? Uh, did you do that initially? Did you do it with people or is it just you that's doing this on your own? Yeah. I, yeah. So that's a good one to bring up. Yeah. And I think specifically if I can mention in dating, if you're going to break up with somebody, just break up with them. Don't, don't blame it on God. Do not use God as your caveat to get out of dating somebody. And I know that can be easy. It can feel easier because you don't want to say anything negative. But if someone needs to hear something, like if they did something that was not anything that made you feel valued, tell them that. Don't don't use God as your caveat because I know a lot of people, um, including myself, who have been, I've found myself like frustrated with God when someone else said, hey, God doesn't want me to do this anymore or like God wants to me to be single right now. And then a few weeks later, they're dating somebody else. So then it's, it's just like, okay, so that wasn't the reason. I wish you would have just communicated that to me because now I'm annoyed with God because it feels like it was his fault. Or I just know that you lied to my face because that wasn't actually the reason. It's my bone to pick with that. Nice. It's a good bone to pick. I I don't think I've had too much experience of that in my own life. Yeah, me neither, for sure. No, no, no. I not try, It's not a I'm just difference kind of thing. I just think... I'm, it's really helpful for you to share that because I, I I don't have my mind like on that same level of using, uh, having had used God as like a get out of jail free card. It, it's that that would really weaponize like a relationship that somebody else has with yeah, God. Yeah. Um, and potentially cause some level of deconstruction or stepping away, which that's a huge uh, negative repercussion. To save you a little bit of convenience, yeah. like that—that—that's that, really what it is. That exchange there, you get to save a little bit of face whenever you're leaving that relationship or yeah. whatever. Uh, and then that other person's gonna have to deal through a bunch of crap. So just 
think about that. If if that's the kind of person you want to be, great. Just maybe don't call yourself a Christian at that point. <laughs> so uh, to each their own. I'm just saying like that. Uh, there was, I think, a, a scripture that I had. Oh, there were two. One of them <laughs> popped up all the time during COVID. And I think it was a good reminder for commitment. Uh, this was Hebrews 10, 25. So not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Like that, uh, I I started going to the church that I currently attend, Cornerstone, mm-hmm. um, during COVID times because they were continuing to meet outside uh, in public. And I really liked that idea. Yeah. Um, and so that was like one specific example of like, hey, guys, we're going to remain committed legally. We are not allowed to meet indoors, but we're going to figure out some well, right. some other way to still honor God, um, make that commitment happen. So that just, to me, brought up a great example of, okay, if your commitment is to remain true, sometimes you're going to have to change the way that you uh, honor that commitment. Like it may, like the, the, the letter of the law may like change and you have to do something else, but the heart still needs to remain intact. So commitment, maybe you have like double uh, booked yourself on, on two different things. So I'm, I'm trying to think of like a specific example. Maybe you did say that you were going to meet with a friend and get uh, a cup of coffee, but then there was another friend that was coming into town. So, well, you know, what's a way that I can end up doing that? Maybe bringing up to both of them that, hey, I think I double booked. Would it be possible for all of us right. to get the time together or can I change one of these things around? So taking ownership of the situation <laughs> I still want to honor both of these commitments. Uh, maybe I made some kind of mistake. How can I still be true to my word? Yeah, I love the thought about not neglecting meeting together within the body of believers. It feels like small groups or something that a lot of people like to talk about, but when push comes to shove, it becomes one of the first things that people don't want to show up to mm. just because something else maybe came up when we see pretty clearly again scripturally that like you're not supposed to neglect meeting together with the body of believers. And that should be your number one priority. So like if you're going to commit to be in a small group or be in a Bible study or whatever that is, that should be one of your top priorities, not the first thing to go when you're thinking about like your plans in your life. I think a good litmus test for like my small group that I try to approach it with, I think the majority of us do is like, if you wouldn't miss it for work, you probably shouldn't miss small group for it. Uh, so if it's just like somebody's coming into town that you want to hang out with, or like your friends are going to get burgers and you want to go, oh, well, fill in the blank, whatever it is. My temptation has been for at times to neglect my small group and make them a secondary option and a backup plan when really they're the people that I should be doing life with. So I want to make sure that they know that I'm committed to them and they are a priority in my life and I want to be present for them in their struggle. And I don't feel like it, it encapsulates the body of Christ very well if the people who are supposed to be the most present for me in my struggle are the first ones to dip out when something better comes up. Nice, dude. I, I was going to ask you specifically about that. Like I know that you've been you've had a small group and maybe you've had, I'm sure you've had multiple small groups, um, in the past and they've ended for whatever reason, but, um, yeah. What has been your experience? Can you think of times when you chose to do other things instead of going to that small group? Can you think about how other people did things that maybe annoyed you in that? And then really, um, yeah. Like what, why is it so easy to, to forego that? Like either for ourselves in the past or for people who are in those small groups now, why why do you think that we uh, are are pretty easy to like kick that one to the curb whenever other stuff comes up? That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe it's because there's an act of consistency in doing it every week where it feels like, oh, I'm doing this every other week so I can take this week off and go do something else. 
and we feel like we're because we've been committed all these other times that we can spare to miss one. And so maybe that's part of my thought is like it becomes mundane and the thought can be just there's so much repetition that I'm going to neglect it. But really, again, I think I think small groups are most effective longevity wise and I think commitment wise. Um, I don't think sm- I think small groups don't last and they don't work unless the group is committed to meeting together as a priority, a like set a time and everybody's committed to be there at that time. I feel like those are the most effective small groups that I've been in. Like my current small group, we've been been together for, I think, like two years, maybe coming up on two and a half before too long. And a big part of that is because for the most part, people have been committed to a time and it's it's changed a little bit just depending on schedules and stuff, but we'll settle on a time and people will make it an effort to be there. And I feel like, one, we've all known each other for a long, long time, which is a different thing we could talk about in a second. Um, but the consistency of it is like, they know me week in and week out, so they know my struggle well. They're able to walk with me step by step. So yeah, I don't know. That's my thought. Do you have a thought on why it is that it's easy to cut that out? It's that, yeah, exactly. You brought up. It's hey, I'll be here next week or in two weeks, so I, it's okay for me to let this one go. My friend's only in town this time, or I, this group of people, whatever. Fill in the blank. Um, I think the other part is like disconnecting our mind from how important each of the building blocks of meeting every single week or every two weeks are. Uh, in the long term, because if, you know, I miss this week and then you miss next week and then Jim yeah, misses dude. the third week after that, we haven't had the whole band together That's real. in over a month or two. Right. So it, whenever, you know, it's like, oh, it's only going to be me missing this time. It's like, yeah, but your voice and your perspective is actually really important and valuable to the group. Dude, that's a great point. So, yeah, that that to me, that's how I've identified either for myself or other people. Um, making a choice is like, it's really not that big a deal. I'm going to miss this week and then I'll, I'll catch it up on the next one. It's like, ah, yeah, but we really are missing something. Maybe there was like a really powerful, maybe there was a really powerful word that you were supposed to share with that person who's in your group who's going through something tough that nobody else has gone through, but you have. Yeah. So like that to me was was the kind of that other uh, compelling element. Yeah, that's real. And I think kind of the other few things we mentioned were like job-wise and I think even ministry-wise looking at commitments. I always, I feel like, commitment to the long haul like the longer we know somebody and the longer we're doing life with them the more we're going to understand them and they're going to understand us and the more we get to see the long work of sanctification in their life and i think especially if you're thinking about your life in terms of how can i be most effective for the kingdom i I really feel like it's just going to be finding somewhere getting rooted forming relationships and then seeing those through like that's the reason that i stayed at the fold for as long as i did just because I saw the continued, like I come back every summer and I'd have campers that would turn into forerunners who would turn into staff members. And there's some kids that I got to see all the way from like early teenage years through high school and even into college. And I think having a consistent voice was really effective and, and big for me. So I want to be that for them. And we don't have the same relationship. I don't have the same rapport if I'm not there summer after summer being present with them. So I think if you're thinking about your life in terms of effective ministry, like your ministry is never going to be effective if you're just always looking for the next option that's more exciting when you get bored. Can you be committed when you're bored? I think that's the bigger question we have to ask. Because nice. everybody can be committed to something new and shiny, but can you be committed when things are just mundane? If yeah. you've done it for a while, it's a lot harder. Yeah. No, dude, that, that is really good. Um, I, there's a visual that I like to use when talking about commitment, and it is just... Um, a tree and the yep. longer the tree has been there the deeper the roots go right. but it's not just the roots it's also like the the wide branches so it's it's a cool visual i really do like uh analogies because they help kind of drive the point home so the longer that tree has been there um 
the more likely it is to stay whenever tough gets, you know, th- things get really tough. Right. Um, so the, the just like the root security, if wind blows, okay, the root's going to stay planted. You know, if it's going to be go through a little bit of drought, okay, rings are going to be a little bit tighter on that trunk, but it'll make it through the next one. All the while, the actual impact, like the amount of fruit that is produced, uh, the shade that is uh, being granted by the leaves and the branches that are growing, your impact is going to be increased the longer that you stay in that place. Yep. Um, as long as you're healthy in that place. I mean, you can be a tree and then not get any nutrients that you need, no sunlight, no water, and then you die. Yep. You can do that if you stay in the same place. So got to make sure that you're connected to the source. But um, yeah, that's a really good reminder about staying in, in one place, staying in the mundane, even when things kind of get boring. Um, I, I hadn't really thought about that. Like new and exciting, that's definitely something I do like to to chase after. Yeah. Um, where, where can my newly honed skills be most maximally used and where can be most efficient? Um, yeah, that, that's something that I definitely uh, maybe maybe struggle with. But I do like the idea of, yeah, the, the, the in-between parts, even if I'm at a place where I don't feel like uh, I'm doing everything that I can, I know that I am investing in the people. So that's another challenge for me when it comes to work stuff is I feel like I can do a whole lot and yeah. there's just always going to be people around that I can build relationship with it and look for opportunities for edifying and encouraging. So, yeah, there's just a lot of things I could do. I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're the Swiss Army knife work-wise. That, yeah, yeah. But, I, dude, there's a, there's a fun one I'll talk to you about in a little bit. Okay. Um, some video stuff. It's on the horizon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that's a good point with, with work and, and ministry. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to big decisions or moving around, we approach those conversations through the lens of like, what's the smartest thing to do here? Like whether it be financially or what's going to be the most fun for me, I really feel like we need to approach them first. Like, Hey, where am I going to be most effectively used for the kingdom? Maybe sometimes it will be a different place. I'm not saying never leave to a different job or a different ministry, but I think a lot of times it's probably going to be staying committed and still loving the people around you really, really well. And not just leaving when things get hard or frustrating and annoying. Um, so I think we need to ask questions that are maybe a little bit less about like our perspective of what you want to do here on this earth and more about like, Lord, where do you want me and where am I going to be most effective at? And I think our answers a lot of times will maybe not be to move around as much as we do. Um, but also something you mentioned earlier about like moving jobs and like, oh, I need to move around to make more money. Sometimes is that the reality? Yes, 100% it is. Should finances financials always be your motivation? No. Uh, but I also do think that you're not going to have the same opportunities work-wise moving around place to place that you would be as you stay rooted and form relationships and, and like win the trust of the people that are in management above you, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of cool opportunities that can come from staying committed somewhere for years at a time that don't come when you're moving around all the time. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so here's a, a Bible verse that kind of ties in with what you were just talking about. Cool. Um, Proverbs 16.3. So commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So with our decision making and um, us trying to figure out, you know, what should I do? What should I commit to? This is the prerequisite for everything. Um, committing to the Lord. So I think inviting God, even in like small decisions, uh, maybe things that you don't feel like you always need to consult God for. I, I've heard some funny stories of different people doing things like, God, what should I eat today or whatever. I'm not, I don't want to downplay that because I, I think there is some value in that. 
but maybe in some of those more medium level questions about God, what do you want me to do today? Um, like that's a pretty generic open-ended question. God, what, 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 what today, uh, can I respond to your love? How can I invite other people into that? That is like a daily commitment for yourself to make that like a prayer that you pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I think would be really helpful in, yeah. in helping build good habits for um, inviting God into your decision making. Right. And then for you to kind of maybe like do a checkpoint at the end of it. Did I do that thing that I was supposed to do? Did I hear God tell me to do something? And did I, did I actually do it? Um, so writing that down is a good accountability. Yeah. And if you journal in the morning or share with somebody like an accountability partner. Uh, here's what I think I was supposed to do today. I remember one time, uh, one of my roommates, Jace and I, we were sitting in a hot tub. We were kind of reflecting on the previous year and we, we identified something that we wanted to do better, um, kind of in the next year, kind of on a monthly basis. And then we kind of, uh, made a commitment to one another that we would do this practice. Um, it had to do with money. So I don't want to get like super specific about it, but it was like a money thing, you know? And a month or two went by and we had forgotten. But then whenever we checked up on one another, one of us brought it up to the other. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it created like a point of action where we did make that commitment. We kind of forgot about it, to be honest. But then that accountability as like a, a metric to come back in and remind us of the commitment that we made prompted us to take action and actually do the thing that we committed to. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, having some kind of checkpoint uh, is really important for us to measure our commitment. Am, do, am I a person who actually does what I say that I'm going to do? Yeah. Um, I need to write that down. I need to bring somebody else into that to kind of uh, invite that checkpoint. Yeah, that's good. Those are good thoughts. Love that. More accountability, the better. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, one thing I did want to mention was on February 2nd, I'll be hosting a worship night here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll be there. <laughs> Funny enough, I think Nate told me maybe. <laughs> I uh, would maybe we'll see what comes which, up, which is funny considering I didn't think about that when I started this statement, uh, but it's Nate's birthday weekend. So that's why he's a maybe that's a valid maybe. Um, but we've done a few of these now. I've meant to mention on the pod, just haven't yet, but kind of the goal is the convergence of word and spirit. So we want to create a space for that. So we've done it a few times. Uh, if you would like details, feel free to shoot me or Nate a message on Instagram. My Instagram is just Michael Mosley or my phone number. It's 405-248-5858. I'd love to see you guys there. In any capacity, they might be there. We'll see. I can't commit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Any other thoughts you have? Music listened to? Podcasts you've liked recently? Books you've read? Um, man, did I... Give me two seconds. I put you on the spot with that one. Uh, there's a new song that just came out by a guy that I like. His name is Connor Smith. And the song is Meanwhile in Carolina. It's very good. Uh, I'm still a big fan of Megan Maroney. She's releasing a new song tomorrow, which I'm excited about. She makes me a little bit emo. And I'm back on Cody Johnson pretty heavily. So shout out Cody Johnson. So go ahead and share your super faith-based book that changed your life right after I recommended Megan Maroney. No, no, no. Hold on. Before we get to that, there is one song that I think everybody needs to listen to. It is not uh, (laughs) faith-related at all. But it also doesn't have any bad words. Okay. Um, it's Five Seven by Brian Jordan Alvarez. Okay. This is just some guy that came across my Instagram one day, and he just plays little characters, and he just makes funny music that reminds me of, like, 2010 YouTube. Okay. So uh, kind of a weird time. It's not, like, it's either going to be your humor or it's not. 
<laughs> but to me and the roomies, we we pulled it up on Apple TV mm-hmm. uh, downstairs like with Apple Music, and it has a karaoke thing. We were just yelling all the words. So uh, fun song if you're looking to have a fun time. The other song, uh, or book, sorry, John Bevere, Awe of God. Uh, Astonishing way a healthy fear of God transforms your life. This I don't know why I have such a problem with this concept of the fear of God. I think it's partly the language, um, but also I think it'll just be a, a continual thing that I want to dig and press into maybe for the rest of my life. Um, and and so this book has been fun. I'm about halfway through. It starts off with a really good general description of what fear is and like common misconceptions, what we have associated with it. And then it kind of takes points from his life uh, and different passages based on different experiences, like a nice convergence of experience and uh, like biblical understanding to to kind of back that. So so, good book. Check it out. I don't know. Listen to it on tape. Listen to it on tape. Maybe John Bevere voiced it. Who knows? I like that we still have that as a phrase. Listen to it on tape. Yeah. No one's listening on tape. No one listens on tape. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. We love you. Bye.